Welcome to Food Safety University, episode number 42, and today we are getting down and dirty with the equipment. Uh, this episode is not suitable for kids' ears because Dr. Fain and Steele is um, going to beat on you a little bit, and there might be some swearing, so um, you might want to censor this one a little bit, but get your pen and paper, and I want you to think about this because this week we are talking equipment. Welcome to the Food Safety University podcast presented by Dr. Michelle Fannensteel of Dirigo Food Safety. Tune in to learn about food safety and processing in plain terms. We'll break down the ins and outs of HACCP, the food code, and much, much more so that you can easily implement and manage your own food safety program and even have some fun while doing so. Hello, hello, and welcome, my friends. I am delighted to have you back on pretty much the only podcast on the internet that you can learn how to be a plant manager in a food manufacturing facility. You can learn how to uh, be the person the universe is calling you to be. You can learn how to sell. You know, if you can't tell, I was going through the podcast episodes, and I have to tell you, I'm so darn proud of ourselves. Uh, you know, we've, uh, I have been, good heavens, at this podcast uh, um, for uh, getting on three years now. Um, and I know we started renumbering, but there's a whole set of podcasts, uh, um, more than 100, um, behind uh, behind this one. And We've covered some stuff here that is just, you know, pretty jaw-dropping information that you really can't get anywhere else. And uh, I am so darn proud of us uh, for what uh, what we have done and how we have showed up for our clients like a boss. And it makes, I mean, it's just out there making um, a huge difference out in the universe. And so that brings us to what are we doing around here? Well, you know, we are growing. I want to invite everybody to go check out uh, dirigofoodsafety.com. And um, we've got lots of great things there for you. Um, I have a new webinar uh, that you can, that talks about like how to create a compliant HACCP plan. So if you are wondering what those steps are, I want you to go watch that webinar. If you are interested in Food Safety University, uh, we have a, uh, we've rejiggered it a little bit. You get seven days free uh, on Food Safety University. And I just know that you are going to continue on uh, with us. And if you have any questions about any of that, you can just give us, uh, just book a call. Like you can book a call right there. I fixed my calendar. Thank you. I had screwed up and, um, the only appointments that were available were the ones uh, were at nine o'clock Eastern time, which is a little weird. And so thank you for the person who pointed that out to me and I fixed it. Very nice of you. Uh, and, you know, we're doing all of this because as we are growing here at Dirigo Food Safety, we are reaching more and more people because we believe in re-regionalized food and we believe that small local food businesses all over the world deserve access to 
this information. And so that's what we are. That's what we are out here doing. And I got to tell you, Food Safety University, there ain't nothing like it. And the plant manager series has dropped uh, by the time you are listening to this. I'm recording it um, a little earlier, of course. And um, I'm just this is like one of the best things I have really ever done. And I am just so proud of me and David for for putting this information together and getting that information out there because it's I mean, it's like going to change how how the daily experience of, of, of being in your plant is because you're going to have a place to turn to learn all of the things about leadership in your plant. That's really going to make a difference. And I could not be more proud of us. Um, than I am like right now. And I look forward. I say I couldn't be more proud. That's actually a a weird thing that we as humans do. How about this? I look forward to being more proud of me and my team and my clients um, in all the wonderful and amazing changes that they are creating out in the universe of food manufacturing and agriculture and get meat processed. I look forward to all the amazing changes that we are all going to bring to this world of food manufacturing together. All this and evermore, so shall it be, as I say with my coach. So come check out DirigoFoodSafety.com. That is the place to get started with all of this goodness. Okay, so now in today's podcast, we are talking about equipment. And we are talking about who the hell you're going to be before you buy your equipment. And why do I talk about this? Because I am so epically tired. I love you guys. I do. But Dr. P is going to go on a little bit of a rant. All of y'all think that a new piece of equipment is going to solve your problems. And I am here to tell you, a new piece of equipment is an inanimate object, and it is going to solve no problems unless you have the systems to back that shit up, okay? So close your kids' ears. Mom is going to swear in this podcast, okay? Here's the deal, guys. If you have problems in your plant um, and you're like, I'm going to go get a new packaging machine because this is what I hear all the damn time. I'm going to go get a packaging machine. Awesome. Great. I love packaging machines. Watching packaging is like soothing to my soul. But here's the deal, my friends. If you buy a new packaging machine without understanding the fundamental reasons why you need it, then you are going to spend epic amounts of money, okay? And you're not going to get the changes that you want to see, okay? And so, as with everything else that we have been doing in this Food Manufacturing Leadership Series, I want you to think about what results you are trying to create with your new equipment, all right? And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. All people solve problems. Are you writing this down? Write this down. So they can avoid pain or seek pleasure. Okay? I have never, not once, in the very long time I have been doing this, seen people buy a piece of equipment because they're seeking pleasure. Okay? I have seen them buy equipment 
to avoid pain. All right. And I totally get it. We buy a lot of things to avoid pain. All right. But here's the problem is that when you are running away from a problem, i.e. avoiding pain, you're not going to make really good decisions. Okay. You may very well need that new piece of equipment, the packaging equipment, the weighing equipment, the slicing equipment, the grinders, the mixers, all the things. You may need it. I totally understand. You may need it to take your business to the next level. But unless you come at your equipment purchases, your planned purchases, your emergency purchases from the space of what results am I trying to create? All y'all are going to do is create the same results and the same pain that you already have. How do I know this? Because I see clients do it over and over and over and over and over again. Okay. And so it's like going and buying a treadmill and you are going to be a whole new human being because now you've got a treadmill in your house. And how many of you all have a treadmill or any other piece of gym equipment that really turned out to be a truly hideous and expensive clothes hanger, right? Because what happens? You, it's the new year and you're like, yes, this is the year I'm going to change my body. I'm going to change my weight. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to run an Ironman. I'm going to, whatever it is. Okay. Gym's always full all y'all in the first week of January. Okay. And then you find out that some days you don't want to work out and some days it sucks. Okay. And some days you hurt and some days you're too busy. And then all of a sudden it's March and you haven't dusted off the treadmill in like weeks. Your equipment that you bring into your facility is the same way. Okay. Now, is it going to get used more than a treadmill? Probably, but not always. I mean, I have big, oh my God, the number of plants I have been in with massive graveyards for equipment. Y'all call it the maintenance room. But I tell you what, maintenance rooms have little drawers with nuts and bolts and and neatly five-est and organized, <laughs> you know, um, those bolt those uh, boards with the holes in them, um, so that they can always put their uh, tools back. Maintenance rooms are not where the graveyard for equipment uh, lives. Well, shouldn't be. It usually is because, and then what happens is the maintenance people just walk all the dirt and the grime from all of the equipment all around your facility, right? So unless you change your thoughts about your equipment, you are just going to keep amassing equipment in the equipment graveyard. And how do I know this? Because yours truly has lost 80 whole pounds and buy one piece of equipment or change one gym membership other than changing from the YMCA in Freeport, Maine to my local rec center here in Ohio where I live now. Okay. I don't buy fancy gym memberships. I'm still biking on my recumbent bike that I got downstairs. You know, I've got, I mean, I've got hundreds of miles on that bike. I don't even remember when I 
got it. Oh, I know when I got it. I got it for the office when I moved into the office four years ago in Yarmouth, right? I have put hundreds of miles on that bike since then. And when I decided to lose weight, I did not go out and buy a treadmill. I changed my thoughts. When you decide that you want to do something different in your manufacturing plant, you got to change your thoughts. And you change your thoughts by deciding what results you want to create. Always with the decisions, Dr. Fain and Steele, always with the decisions. And if you get that reference, give me a call and I will give you a half an hour of free consulting. So the um, just send me send me an email. Send us an email at info at DiragoFoodSafety.com if you get that reference. So um, what results do you want your new equipment to create? If you were running away from pain, all right, it's, which is totally reasonable, what do you want to create? Do you want to create a more... Um, a more uh, pleasurable customer experience because your customers are really hating your packaging right now. Do you want to shingle your bacon better and not have to hand shingle it, which is a gigantic pain in the butt. All right. And that's running away from pain. I totally get it. So, but you're going to want to figure out something that makes it a result that's worth having. Um, Okay. Because positive, um, like positive results are an awful lot easier to motivate you than negative results. Okay. And that's just kind of human nature. Now you're going to argue with me. There's some of y'all who are like, nope, I need to be running away from something in order to actually get it done. We call that productive negative emotion still feels like ass. And I'm like inviting you to maybe not feel like ass at work all the time. Okay. So the <laughs> what you're going to do is you're going to look at, okay, if I'm trying to, um, you know, get my, uh, get my packaging to be um, more customer friendly because my, my packaging isn't customer friendly right now, you know, you can always go towards and building community. Okay. If you're changing packaging because your new, your old packaging is too expensive. Well, then you are increasing profitability, you know, so decide in health and wealth and community, what are some positive results and what are some, um, moving towards pleasure that this new equipment is going to get you. Okay. So I want you to think about that and give it at least equal airtime from the pain that you are running away from with the new equipment. Okay. Now, by now, we have done several of these episodes in Who, Before, How in the Food Manufacturing Leadership Series. And by now, I think you should probably have a pretty good idea of who you are at work. Who do you want to be? Okay. And we always ask that question because that gives us the broadest range of answers. Okay. So if who you are at work is somebody who is creating community, who is creating connection, who is being in service to their, to their workers and to their customers, right? Being in service to the land, uh, being in a, being in service to creating value out of, uh, out of, out of parts of animals that, most people don't see very valuable, right? How can you use those values 
to create those results? How can you evaluate the equipment that you are going out to get and create those results? Who are you going to be while you go do that? Because the thing is, is that when you're running a food safety plan, you bring in new equipment, you got to take the plan and you got to reevaluate the whole entire thing in light of any new hazards that you might be introducing as a result of implementing a new piece of equipment. Y'all getting a new slicer, I guarantee you, if you're a ready-to-eat product, you are introducing new risk for listeria that you must then figure out how to control, okay? You've got you've to take these things into account before you go out and purchase or lease new equipment, whichever one that you want to do. And you will figure it out when you come from your highest self when you come from your intention because you'll be able to think with the best parts of your brain okay and that's what i mean by changing your thoughts changing your thoughts around equipment means that you're going to say i am coming to this purchase from a place of service i am not coming to this purchase from a place of being too embarrassed to get all of my questions answered from the sales rep. How often does that happen? Okay, of uh, being afraid of looking stupid in front of me. Yeah, I, I get that a lot, guys, and I totally understand, but you have no reason to be, I'm not scary. Okay, or being afraid of looking stupid in front of the sales rep or being afraid to say no or being overwhelmed by the financing terms or being overwhelmed by what the profitability might actually be on this new piece of equipment and the profit algebra, as I call it, that goes along with a new piece of equipment. All of that stuff happens when you're buying new equipment. It all happens. And if you're not coming from your highest and best self, that's when equipment ends up in the graveyard. That's when you're out there and you're selling it back and you've lost all this money on it. It was all this time, money, and energy, and it just doesn't work because your equipment isn't going to solve your problems. Okay. Your systems are going to solve your problems. And you don't rise to the level of your equipment, guys. You fall to the level of your systems, and your systems are set by your intentions. And if your intentions are not clear to you, and if you are not functioning in your highest and best self, you are going to continue to make the decisions that lead to the frustration and to the overwhelm and uh, to the really expensive equipment that nobody uses. I have been in places where they have hundreds of thousands of dollars equipment of equipment just sitting there just sitting there gathering dust and everybody's paralyzed. Nobody knows what to do. Okay. And so that's what I want to talk to you about next. If you've already made the equipment purchase and it's not working out, if you already have all of that equipment and it's gathering dust, okay. And you're paralyzed by looking at it. I want you to ask yourself, 
what results are you trying to create with, with your equipment, even the equipment that you're not using? And who are you going to be while you create that result? Because I guarantee you being in service to your business means getting that equipment out of there if you're not using it. It's not creating value for you. It could be creating value for somebody else. Okay. But what a lot of y'all think is, oh my God, I spent so much money on that. We have a phrase for that. It's called water under the bridge. Sunk costs. Throwing, throw in and throwing good money after bad, right? If a piece of equipment really truly doesn't work for you, you gave it your all and it really truly doesn't work for you, you're not benefiting anybody, but just leaving it be to molder. Your job is to lead and your job, what if your job is also to lead the equipment out your damn door? Okay, so that it can go be in service to somebody else. You know, when we were leaving Maine this time last year, we were making this time was actually, uh, um, yeah, just about this time last year when I was making the decision to leave Maine, I talked to my house. Okay, I talked to my house. I thought I was gonna. I, I, I kid you not, people. I thought. That was my forever house. I thought my kids were going to graduate in that house. I thought that they would bring home their college sweethearts to that house. I I really thought that that was our forever house. And I talked to my house. And that house was not my forever house. Go talk to your equipment. If it's not your forever equipment, I guarantee you the highest and best use of that equipment is to say, you have served me. Thank you for your service and let's move on out of here. And it's now your time to go serve someone else. My forever house may not be a thing. Your forever piece of equipment may also not be a thing and it's okay. And that equipment that you are not using, that you're embarrassed to go look at, that you spent so much money on and you had so many hopes tied up into, your highest and best self says, thank you for your service. It's time for you to go serve someone else, right? It's time for my house to go serve someone else. And now it's time for the house that I'm sitting in to serve my family. And it served our family beautifully. And once you allow all of that old equipment to get out of your life, you are going to be floored at how many new thoughts you can think. You are going to be floored about how much better you feel in your house, okay, or in your in your facility. And and. I say this as somebody who got rid of 90% of her stuff. My husband and I, like I am, I'm, I'm in my house as I record this. And we took, I think we calculated it as 7,000 square feet of living space between the shed, the basement, the attic, and then all of the living. We had more than 3,000 square foot house in Maine. Um, and all of that got pared down, given away in the middle of coronavirus. A lot of it got hauled off to the um, uh, to the landfill where it gets repurposed at the landfill. So in Maine, you don't like not good things don't get thrown away. They live at the landfill for a while and then somebody comes and picks them up. Uh, and it um, went into a 14 foot by eight foot pod, like eight feet high, eight feet wide, 14 feet, 14 feet um, long. Okay, 7,000 square feet of living space. And then we brought, we bought here into this house. We got all secondhand furniture. Um, 
just about, I think just about, <laughs> right? But we were able to do that. We were able to make good choices and we were able to lighten our load considerably. I mean, considerably, okay? And that's what's allowed me to propel my business forward, to thrive in my marriage, to thrive with my family in the time of coronavirus, which means everything, right? And it all happened because I decided to get rid of my junk, right? And you can decide the same thing. And then you can be super intentional about what you bring back into your facility. That's what we've got for the podcast this week. I hope you have a week full of awesome and we'll see you right back here next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Before you go, click the subscribe button and check us out at foodsafetyuniversity.com where we have free food safety guides waiting for you. Until next time, keep up the great work.